everyone, to Curtain Jerks right here on the Comedy Podcast Network. I'm Scott Narver. And I'm Steve Sears. This is a very special episode. This is a Get Jerked episode. This is, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman Gets Jerked. That's right. Originally known as the Paul Heyman Story, as so say the teasers, the all eight of them they have in the special features. Mm-hmm. Whoa, what special features, I tell you, those teasers. Yeah, you know what? If you get this DVD and you're going to take a look at it, Blu-ray especially... Just watch the teasers. You don't want to see any of those hours-long just stories of all the wrestlers you really like talking about Paul Heyman or Paul Heyman talking about experiences with those wrestlers. You don't want to see him wearing a vest, not sweating, one drop for 16 hours. Yeah, this is the coolest I've ever seen Paul Heyman, like, just temperature-wise. I was really surprised this entire time when watching it that there's not one bead of sweat anywhere on him. Well, but, I mean, that's the most, uh, like produced i've ever seen paul Heyman. if you think about it he said it took 16 hours like he they sat down and and talked for 16 hours it's great this is an amazing this is probably one of my favorite documentary like programs that uh wwe's put together yeah it's good uh, yeah. what stone cold what uh yeah so uh, stone cold what mm-hmm. kane my story <laughs> and then uh i think it's the uh santino and then paul Heyman's the paul Heyman story mm-hmm and uh, don't forget Jerry Lawler. She's how old? Yeah, that, and that somehow did that somehow top Paul Heyman just because it's so helpful for him. Yeah, yeah. and you get more of his side of the story on things. Uh, it, it, the UK title for the Jerry Lawler story is "I'm going to need to see your driver's license." That's <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good alternate title also. Mm-hmm. Well, in Europe, they can get away with that stuff. Jerry Lawler is meant to be European. Yeah, he's a Memphis guy, just but French, just total France at heart. I think. Well, he this... likes he likes women. He likes girls. Yeah, he likes girls. That's right. Yeah, he hates women. <laughs> he likes girls. He hates women. I, I don't know that. I don't know that. All I know is that one episode of uh, uh, Insomniac with David Tell, where they go to like the raunchiest, filthiest strip club I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, populated by the youngest women that are like allowed by law. <laughs> And like Jerry Lawler, not cracking jokes, just staring intently into the cavern of a woman. I swear, <laughs> and like a tell, a tell feeling uncomfortable. You remember this episode? No, I don't. Check it out. A tell, like listeners, in- tweet it to us or put it on our Facebook if you if you come across this episode or if you're familiar with it. Yeah, Dave, like you ever see David? Like David Tell's got something to say no matter what. Yeah. Seeing him uncomfortable is like, woo! <laughs> All right, Jerry. That's a feat. Yeah. Well. You know, we've got Jerry Lawler on the mind because he was one of the focal points of this uh, this story, this Blu-ray, this uh, documentary. Now, ordinarily, with a lot of these Gets Jerked episodes, we're always going to be in spoiler country. But keep in mind, no matter what we tell you, go and see this. Like, any, yes. any way you can. Because we're not going to be doing it justice. We'll be adjacent to justice of doing it for well, this. we don't need to report it to anyone. I mean, no, we've no, got no. guests coming in today that I'm sure will also shed some light on some of these stories. And... Uh, but we're going to just talk about it, and if you've seen it, you know what we're talking about, and if you haven't, chances are it'll show up on the network in maybe six months or so, but right now they're obviously pushing the DVD and Blu-ray. Certainly but worthwhile. It's it's worth 20 bucks. It's totally worth the, the full pop of buying it. Yeah, I think uh, you only got glimpses of a lot of this stuff on the rise and fall of the ECW DVD set, if I remember. You get a lot more of everybody. You don't get a whole... You get chunks of Paul Heyman, but this is so focused on him rightfully so and it feels it feels weighted in the right way even though paul Heyman's telling it like you never know if he's that 
What? Yeah, I'm, I'm calling it that. No, like... <laughs> to that. You never know if he's telling the truth, but I feel like it's like you've got enough people... You've got enough dissenting people in the interviews that it's like, well, now you get to hear both. You can you can decide what the legend is. That's what I liked. Yes, you do... Uh, you're very unclear at times if he is telling the truth. You want to believe him, though, which is talked about a lot. Like, Oh, yeah. He... God, he's just so fucking charismatic that you go, well, clearly Paul's in the right. He's absolutely in the right. Yeah, he wouldn't let me think anything else, so I'm gonna have to believe him. But there's that... In one of the extras, there's a story by Joey Styles uh, where the, you hear the interviewer ask, is there any occasions where Paul Heyman lied to you? And Joey gets so excited, and he tells a story that he hasn't told publicly before. Mm -hmm. um, and this story is amazing, and it's about his wedding. And if Paul Heyman uh, was one of the groomsmen, and uh, he did not attend. I'm not going to go into the entire story, but he tells this great story. Tells this very funny story because this is somewhere where I can't do it justice. And then he says, but Paul Heyman has another side of it, and he sticks to it to this day. To which they cut to Paul Heyman saying his side of the story. Yeah, and they're like still and, believing it. Yeah. And, you, and you're like... Yeah, man, if Joey hadn't told me everything... I, I would have believed this story, yeah. And yeah. now you don't know what to think. It's You know what? It's like watching a, a documentary about magic. Like It's like, this is how you do the trick. Also, here's the trick again. It's like, are you sure that's how you do the trick? Because I think they use magic. Yeah, I think it's magic. All in all, it was like, I didn't know how big he was like as a promoter. Call him fat guy? Man, we're calling him fat guy? Like, he started when he was 14, he was sneaking into events, he was writing a newsletter, he was always an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been in the wrestling business forever. I always thought, like, uh, um, Beyond the Mat doesn't do it justice. It seems like, oh, this guy who started a wrestling promotion in his mom's basement. It's like, nope, he's been a part of wrestling for just, like, decades before that. Yeah. Uh, I, I had heard the stories of him being in Madison Square Garden and taking photos and stuff like that, but I didn't know what happened after that. Mm -hmm. like I didn't know all the follow-up of everything that he did, and especially about his parents that really molded his personality type. Yeah, like it, like it seems like this sort of very kind of like amazing rich characters of parents that sort of and he describes it very well i don't want to ruin the ending sort of in terms of what he believes but it's like i've never seen somebody so humble when it comes to the people that he respects mm -hmm. especially and that's coming from someone who's so full of themselves you know that like there's four people on this planet that he respects and just adores more than and more than himself mm -hmm. and they and i mean that in the way that he thinks he's the best he thinks he deserves all these things but his parents his kids those are like those are the people that he's in awe of. Which is crazy because they're not on television. I was about to say, what's the power ranking on Paul Heyman's kids for WWE 2K15? Yeah, it's probably really, it's probably at like 11. Yeah, I mean, like, you can't even, like, it's hard to get up to like 80 or 90 with that create a character. So I wonder his kids going to be ranked, right? Mm hmm. And is the Holocaust surviving mother? Yeah. Well, come on. I mean, sure. A lot of heart, but when it comes down to it, she's old now. Yeah, how are you going to get that hair right and the create a character? That's what I want to know. Uh, yeah, he he. if you're close with Heyman, he clearly loves you for life. Yeah, uh, Edge said something really cool that I told, like I repeated it back to you minutes after you saw it on TV, which mm -hmm. was Edge said that when you have somebody that believes in you, suddenly like everything seems possible. And if Heyman liked you... 
it seems like, yep, he would go to bat for you. He wouldn't let you feel like you had ever been abandoned. And that was pretty cool. Yeah, he's... he's Wrestler-wise, wrestling-wise. Yeah, not for, like, dates. Yeah, and, and not... And, like, he was, like, he was a club promoter, like, in the 80s. He was, like, the on-set photographer in Studio 54. Yeah. Like, that... I had no idea he was, like, this big New York baller, big shoulder pad, like eight-button suit kind of guy, which he was. Which makes me think, what could we get away with if we really tried? Well, I like, if we got suits at thrift stores and, like, shaved and went into, like, lobbies and be like, I have a blah-blah-blah appointment at blah-blah-blah. <laughs> and they're like, well, the blah-blah-blah legal for you, blah-blah-blah-blah-blah. I think there's a gas leak. Blah-blah-blah-blah-blah. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to fix the gas leak. <laughs> That's what we... Oh, we should be... We should go on as plumbers everywhere. Yeah, just be like... Hey, I just heard there was a big shit on the floor. Who's going to take care of it? The janitor? God damn it, Big Show. <laughs> Where's he going to put it? The garbage? That means something's wrong with the toilets. So you're going to need a couple of plumbers to fix it. That's right. And then all the plumbing bags are filled with uh, recording equipment. Yeah, and we just go in there and, you know, videotape poop for 45 <laughs> minutes. You guys would love that, right? That's, You'd yeah. love, uh... you, want so, you want us to pretend to be plumbers and make strange foreign films? <laughs> I'm sorry, make American films with foreign film sensibilities. Randy Orton misses the bag. That's projector firing up. Yeah, quiet piano. <laughs> cigarette smoke, cigarette smoke, blue flickering lights. Ah, uh, light and shadow, the majesty of film. Uh, well, it's a side project, everybody. We're working on it currently. <laughs> they, I should say... This uh, this documentary, like, it got me inspired. It was really cool to see him work and see what he got excited about. And, mm -hmm. God, like, so all I knew about ECW was first from Beyond the Mat. And it was that it was like, oh, what a crazy guy who put together this promotion. I was like, wow, what a super fan. And then seeing this, it's like, oh, he no, he's going to lose one of his wrestlers to acting with Denzel Washington. What? What? <laughs> New Jack when he goes in for the audition. Oh, nice. 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 Uh, I think one of the things that I was really sort of impressed by was he... So he went into WWE, um, and everyone was surprised. Like, a lot of guys in ECW didn't know that he was going to be going... When he made the jump to be a color commentator. Right. And we, it turns out he was saying that because he because he didn't announce that there was a, that... Uh, that they, they were bankrupt, and he went to WWE... He saved a lot of people a lot of money because he waited the 90 days, and after you declare bankruptcy, every check you'd written 90 days prior could be taken. Like, the money could be taken out of accounts. It could be stripped from people you paid by creditors because you've gone bankrupt. Well, they had to explain that because not everybody... They were saying, like, not everybody gets that, and they still hold resentment towards them. Yeah, like... like there's other ECW wrestlers to this day... They're still pissed. Yeah, because they thought the company collapsed, and they thought that Paul Heyman, Paul E. Dangerously, you know, smashed into the ground. Get him away! Get him away! Whoa, 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 whoa! Hey, buddy! Hey, hey, hey! What's going on? Why are you getting so violent? You just threw our co-host Steve Sears right out the window. I mean, good thing we're recording in the uh, Curtain Jerk Summer Home right now, so it's a one-story. I'm building. okay, guys. I'm all right. Uh, yeah, get out of here! Get him! Whoa! Stop throwing him out. I'm, but I'm okay, window. guys. I'm I'm all right. Get out of my way! He's just landing in bushes. Constantly. You know who I am. Ah! Uh, you recognize me? I actually do. You were an ECW wrestler just towards the yeah, end. Yeah, I'll do my I'll do my hand motion. Oh, oh my god. You're the trucks molester. That's right. I'm trucks molester. <laughs> uh, Coming from the bad side of Philly to fix your car and fix your clock. <laughs> oh, in that order? 
Depends. Matters what kind of gold's on the line. Trucks molester. Uh, all right, trucks molester. This is your first time being on the podcast. What? Why? Why are you in here today of all days? Well, because I got a big, fat, veiny bone to pick with you guys and Paul Heyman. Paul E. Dangerously. I. The way you phrase that, I'm really worried about. What trucks molester. <laughs> you keep doing your hand motion, which. I recognize because I, I was an ECW fan, but... Oh, you want me to describe it for all the fans out there? First, I put my hands up here and I wiggle them real top like I'm just I'm just playing someone's clavicle like a piano. And then I bring them all low like I'm playing their pubis like some sort of <laughs> undergarment sort of uh, cymbal set. Yep, that's the famous Trucks Molester. Uh, Trucks Molester! Signature. Up top, down low. Yeah, I mean, it was... Had ECW run longer... I would have put the RVD thumbs to shame. Yeah, I'll say. I, gave, I taught RVD everything he knows about finger movement. You did? Yeah. Oh, that See, I wish that had been the documentary. Now, see, the thing is, Trucks Molester said, what you got to do is you take your fist, uh-huh. you stick out your thumb, put it up yourself. And that's what you said? That's what I said to RVD, and he was like, no, maybe I'll just point him at myself. And I was like... Well, 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 how about this? You put them up yourself, and then you smell your thumbs. You bring them to your, you bring them to your nose. And he was like, well, I'll just keep the part where you're just saying my own name. Yeah. And he's just one of those young kids who thinks he's, oh, I guess he's an older guy now. Just so I'm older, but God, back then, those rookies in ECW. You know, get me off topic here. Polly Dangerously, Paul Heyman owes me money. Well, okay, come on. That's what a lot of people say. A lot of people say Polly Dangerously owes them money like how does how does he owe you money still to this day because when that company went under he left all of us out to dry i didn't even get my t-shirts done oh you had t-shirts oh i had t-shirts what were on your t-shirts it was a white t-shirt with the pecs cut out and then a small (laughs) cylinder based around where the crotch would be gotta get them extra large that's it they're just white t-shirts and then on the back it says trucks and on the front it just says molester uh I, do you ECW have, Extreme! I, I, I want one of these shirts. Can you make me one of these shirts? Maybe. I gotta go to a thrift store and then all I gotta ride on it with some poster paint. I, I, whatever it takes. Well, once I get my money from Paul Heyman, I'll be able to afford that paint and those how, thrift store shirts. How much money does he owe you? Uh, he owes me about $3,500. Oh. Alright. Uh, you're not accounting for inflation? Well, why would I account for inflation? I'm not a banker. Well, are you a creditor? Why would, I be, why would that even matter? We were just talking about this. I mean, had you been listening to this episode, and then right before you burst in, you would have heard that the reason that is is because Paul Heyman saved everybody because... Steve, can you say this better? Oh, sorry, so, so just I let mean, me crawl back in through the window. Uh, because when a company <laughs> declares bankruptcy... Yeah, when a company declares bankruptcy... <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have an... Uh, the company then, all the payments they made 90 days prior, like checks that they'd written. See all those payments they made 90 days prior. All the, like, all the, all the checks that they made 90 days prior, yeah. right? Like a paycheck I'd get. Yep. Each one of those checks would each then. Each one of those checks. Uh, each one of those checks. All right, tell me more. Yep. Each one of those checks would be vulnerable. To reemphasize each one of those checks. Each one of those checks. I won't finish your sentence. Let me hear what you're going to say. Yep. Each one of those checks would be... Uh, <laughs> I want to make sure you're paying attention. Yeah, each, Scott, make sure that you understand. Each one of those checks would be vulnerable. Each one of those checks would be vulnerable. All right. Would be vulnerable to uh, being uh, uh, taken back. They would be, uh, like, to creditors. Creditors could take money out of people's accounts because those were the last checks that were... Uh, Signed by a bankrupt company. 
The creditors could take them. Oh, the creditors could take them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, does, I hope that explains it, right, Scott? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I was going to say, but Trex Molester, does that make sense to you? Like, yeah, I why? guess it makes sense. You're telling me that the final check he wrote me... Wait, what are you telling me? What, would that, what, I'm telling what did Paul Heyman do? Why would it make a fucking difference at all? <laughs> what I'm telling you is the money that he paid you uh, is all you're going to get. The money that he still owes you, you're never going to get because Paul Heyman's never going to pay you that money. But the money he did pay you at the time was the last money you'd ever receive. So any check you got before that, uh, great. Like, you got it. And then after that, uh, he went bankrupt and then uh, refused uh, to pay Scott, anybody else. Scott, if I could interrupt. I think the point is also that because he paid and then waited 90 days, uh, he made sure that people's money wouldn't get taken away for the checks that he did write. Yeah, sure, but then he still owed a lot of people money. And well, yeah, so people owed a lot of money to people like me. Yeah, you're right, Trucks Molester. You got totally fucked in this. I think I got hosed real bad. You know what? I think you did get hosed real bad. I guess maybe the end of ECW was pretty muddled. Yeah, I mean, sure, they explained that some people didn't get paid, but there was no restitution ever for... Guys like Trucks Molester. Or oh, Steven Richards. That guy looks good in a dress, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, he does. He looks great in low-cut shirts, uh, high-cut shirts, uh, anything blue. Yeah, it's true, it's true. Don't see a lot of that guy on TV, but he got hosed by ECW like I did. He holds a grudge against Paul Heyman, doesn't he? Doesn't he? I, you know, they didn't interview him. They didn't inter- interview you either for this. Yeah, Trucks Molester doesn't get called in for very many WWE events. Um, look... Maybe, everybody says I'm too handsy. <laughs> maybe everyone could help you out. Maybe if you made a shirt for curtain drips that I'm sure every listener would want of a patented Trucks Molester shirt. Well, maybe. I just feel like the holes cut in the shirt are a little bit awkward. Maybe just to design something with a snake or a hand that's made out of snakes reaching for a shadow of some sort of phallus or cavern. What about you checking the oil of a truck? Man, that's not bad. And then it says, uh, Trucks Molester, with you, like, peering back over the side of the hood. Like the copper tone baby? Mm-hmm. I don't know about it, guys. It makes me uncomfortable. Steve, with that kind of talk, you're gonna get shoved out the window Oh, uh, why am I gonna get it? Whoa! Get out of here! Look, Trucks Molester, we'd like for you to do well, and, uh, sorry, I normally, like, try and hand stuff out to guys and try and, uh, give them cash or something. Nah, like just if, as long as, can I plug one of my shows while I'm here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. I'm going to be in uh, uh, Wrath of WrestleCon. It's going to be at the Double Tree in Santa Rosa on August uh, 30th. Santa Rosa. Now, there's Santa Clarita, Santa Anita, Santa Ana. Where is Santa Rosa? Oh, it's just outside Costa Mesa. Oh, okay. I Well, I think it's really outside of it, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, it's about 1,000 a, a miles north, I think, in Northern California. Okay. Well, hey, I hope that helps out. And you know what? Here's a free white t-shirt for you. Maybe it'll inspire you. <laughs> Um, there's no need to spit on Steve. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Trucks Molester. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> All right. God, he just really hocked a loogie on me. He did. That was, that was, uh, unreasonable. They cover ECW. They cover, I mean, I wasn't familiar with AWA stuff. I wasn't familiar with the WCW stuff. Like, Which, I missed out on all that. Yeah, me too. Granted, I think we watched some of his... He was he was a manager a lot like um, um, Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. But we sort of determined that it was kind of more interesting to watch Paul Heyman because he wasn't playing a character. He was just playing a heightened version of himself. Mm-hmm. This New York Jew kid who just wouldn't stop talking. Yeah. And I think... But granted, when you watch some of those promos about AWA, or it's like, 
wow, it's a lot of guys I don't know, but he is working his heart out to make sure that people care about these like these tag teams or these guys. Or... Yeah, he's really putting everything into it. And as he talks about, he has tons of ideas, mm-hmm. um, which has never ceased. That's what's really shocking is throughout all of that, throughout the rest of his career, throughout booking, throughout creating, uh, working with talent, he never lacks ideas. All this shit about creative has nothing for you. But Paul Heyman's got somebody something for everybody, it seemed like. Yeah, like he's Santa Claus when it comes to ideas. Like, here, here, here. Well, he kept he kind of hammered at home twofold, and I think it was very interesting. His favorite thing to do is to work and develop new talent. Yes. Which I think goes really well with his learning style, which was... He, he Every time he worked with somebody, he was like, I learned so much from them. And then he, they'd cut to an interview with the person he learned so much, JR, and be like, I learned so much from working with Paul Heyman. And like that sort of free flow, I'm sure it wasn't as like hippy-dippy as a free flow of ideas and just this yeah. two-way street of, of learning and knowledge. It was a, probably kind of a, a rough-and-tumble sort of like, I'm learning a lot from Paul Heyman. The guy's irritating, but I mean like, He's needling me on air, but God, is it good to work? It's fun to work with the guy. That's yeah. what it seemed like. He talks about that they challenge one another and mm-hmm. that Heyman would specifically challenge JR. And I never saw the stuff of old. I never watched the WCW stuff, but I watched it when he was in WWF in 2001 and watched those two. And I believe that JR hated him. Like, I bought into it thinking it was when I was a kid. Mark! Girl. You're a Mark! <laughs> Uh, yeah, but that's how good they did. Is I thought uh, like Monsoon and Heenan, like Heenan would piss off Monsoon. I, th- that's how believable it yeah. was. And uh, then I remember when Heyman would be on SmackDown with Cole and would do the same thing, and Cole would do nothing. Like Cole wouldn't. He wouldn't respond, right? He wouldn't respond. He just kept doing what he's doing, and then Heyman would jab at him, and that's why one of the reasons right there why I always thought. Cole was uh, not as interesting as a commentator because he's not listening. He's not he's not joining in on what's happening in that moment. He's not a participant. No. Which, like, it was kind of sort of funny that we boiled it down to such simple terms, but just in terms of announcing, the image of a close-up of two announcers filling the screen, two heads, like, and, like, not like a newscast, not like sports, but, like, sports in the sense, like, even in sports, there's, like, three feet between them, but guys, like, shoulder to shoulder calling a wrestling match and seeing Heyman next to JR just felt right. And now when you think about it, you got that long, you got that three-man t- that booth, which I mean it worked in WCW, but it's like when you see JBL, Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler and Mountain Dew's dicks in front of them, it's like <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hi, we all get along. JBL sometimes gets a little mad, but boy, we have a good time just watching the show like you folks at home. Yeah, besides us talking about the WWE Network, just wait till a wrestler comes over here and tries on JBL's hat. <laughs> and ignores King's crown. Exactly. Like, it's, there's just even just that, like, the composite of the image. Just, like, the just the way it was posed as having Paul Heyman and JR next to each other filling the screen. It's like, yeah, those guys are authorities. They tell the stories of the matches, and I like that. And something that's really, really, really surprising to me in this documentary, I'm going to uh, equivocate? Equivalate? Equivocate? I think you mean... Equalize? Yeah. Yeah, um, you're equate. Just actually equate. I'm going to equate it to uh, what Louis C.K. does. Um because they, they've kind of talked about this 
uh, and interviews and stuff of his business of what he's done. Louis C.K. has come up with several ideas, come up with stand-up tours, come up with specials, come up with TV shows, and all these projects he does, um, he makes money for those involved. Um, Paul Heyman has done the same thing. He keeps turning a profit, keeps coming up with these ideas, landing venues, like getting ratings, and with the case of ECW, he loses out in his situation, not because of poor business management, it's because they get stuck in a rock and a hard place where they are too big to be small and too small to be big. Which is an amazing saying. I feel like it's just so telling of the situation they were in. Complicated. It just sounds fucking complicated. Yeah, in a, in a business world when it's not a digital age and they're, they're stuck if they don't have a network and they're stuck if they don't have pay-per-view money coming in to then invest in the next project. They can't invest in the next thing without enough money coming in. So he's doing all these right moves and making it happen. And there's the ticket sales go up, the merchandise goes up, but he can't do anything about it. So that's one situation. But then they get into the stuff of him working at WWF uh, and then working on the SmackDown creative team. Well, and like they they really do a, a very strange way of avoiding the conflict and sort of the uh, like the issues that happened in the and so many things. Like they're always like they get really close to being like. To which we had a screaming match, and it's like, about what? Yeah. Like, you get, you never get the details. You just get like, Paul really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Who? Why? What did he do? Yeah. Tell me now. And, like, they get so close to these little, like, like you get these hints of these sort of... Yeah, you want the specifics. You want these amazing... And they feel like secrets, or they feel like, wow, there's some legendary story that everybody in the business gets to know, but none of us get to know. Yeah. And I think that's probably what you described, is that weird business sense, and then going into a very corporate culture and having to work for someone else and not be in control, I think... Uh, Stephanie McMahon has this sort of interview segment, and every time, like, everybody's like, I'm a Paul Heyman guy, I'm a Paul Heyman guy, and she's like, I like Paul Heyman, but... I'm a Paul Heyman fan. Yeah. And, it, like, she's the only person who consistently denigrates him, just, like, mm-hmm. consistently sort of, like... Lawler's like, no, I don't like him. Yeah, and, like, doesn't even, like, doesn't call him a shit out or anything, it's just like, yeah, we just don't see eye to eye, like... He's good at what he does. He's very passionate, but I just don't like him. Like, mm-hmm. he was outright just sadic. Yeah. But, um, wow. yeah, and, and he proves himself on SmackDown because in the competition of their shows, he gets higher ratings. He makes SmackDown the bigger show than Raw. He makes the, the tape show a bigger show than the live show. That's a big deal. And that doesn't mean anything like it doesn't lead to the next thing they don't go well shit like take this then because you're doing these things um no he was an outsider doing good which in the in the weird world of wrestling like that's a bad thing Mm -hmm. and like you said stephanie who's in charge of that nothing nothing is good enough nothing makes her happy with it well i contacted the people at wwe films not i'm sorry not their weird (laughs) independent wing I've, I've got oh, the people who I do. thought we get to watch Leprechaun yeah, Origins. Sorry, WWE home video films. And I talked to them, and there's so much material on the Blu-ray. It's mm-hmm. only like hours upon hours of extra. There's also all the stuff they cut out. And oh. they have an extended interview with Stephanie McMahon, and we've got a couple of those outtakes right now. Are you serious? Yeah. It's, Are we going to play those? Yeah, we're going to play them right now. Okay. Oh, great. Stephanie, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. It's so lovely to be here today. Yeah. Um, so I 
we got all the interview stuff about Paul Heyman before. I just wanted to go through mm. a couple things because you just sort of said you wanted to skip those questions. And... I, I prefer that, yes. But I just we got to get this material just so we have something to cut to sort of when... You know, we're going to have a lot of other people, but you have, you're such an important voice and authority in the company. We just need to have that. That's the character I play. It's one of the authority, yes. Uh, yeah, but I, we just want that perspective from you because you were, you know, SmackDown was your show and he, he was a head writer under you. So we just wanted to get your thoughts on a couple of these things. I had to put Vaseline under my nose so that way I couldn't smell him under me. R- really? He's, what? He was a foul-smelling person. Paul Heyman we're speaking of. Yes, yeah. Uh, yes, when working together with him, he has such a creative mind for such a foul-smelling beast. Well, you know what? That does, that's not one of the questions I was going to ask you, but maybe we can cut that oh, in. Oh, go right time. ahead. Uh, I also... Uh, well, we talked a little bit about his kids, and we just sort of thought that, like... How brave. You, yeah. How brave you of have Paul kids Heyman. Also, how brave of Paul Heyman to raise retarded children. I don't think he has retarded children. Have Simon. you met Paul Heyman? I have. He clearly has retarded offspring. I did 16 hours with the guy. I did. We didn't. He didn't mention that his kids have a learning disability at all in this movie. Oh, no, they don't have a learning disability. They're retarded. How brave of Paul Heyman to raise retarded children. You know what? That doesn't seem to be any of my questions involved in that, and I don't think that's accurate. Um, you could ask Hunter as well. He'd agree that I'm they're... I'm sorry, who? Hunter. Oh, I thought you... They're, they're, they're retarded. Okay. Uh, well, um, well, what about this? Uh, so under, I understand in the 80s, actually, uh, he was big deal in New York, and then in the 90s, he was actually he would call Vince McMahon when in the, he, they would sort of talk storylines, and they would talk about... Vince's sort of small kind of involvement with ECW and he was sort of a support system for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vince loves a good laugh, so sometimes he would just call up Paul Heyman and listen to his little ideas that he would have that would come to his little brain. And Vince just likes to laugh. Sometimes if he can't sleep and you try and give him a warm glass of milk, it just doesn't cut it. So he would call up Paul Heyman for a good chuckle about, oh, we have this idea and we're going to set someone on fire. And he's like, wow. What a really un, unthoughtful thing to do to one of your talent. And then he would fall asleep. Well, but granted, I mean, it sounds like even though Paul Heyman couldn't pay everybody, he still sort of loved his talent much in the same way that... I oh, mean, sure, you pay a comedian when you go see a show. You want to leave a, a tip or buy an album or a t-shirt, something to commemorate that moment and, and help out the, the poor comedian. Comedians are a sad folk. They have such a poor, poor, sad living. They don't feel good about themselves, so they try and prove themselves to others. So that's what my father would do for Paul Heyman, because he's Jewish, so he thinks he's funny. God, you know what, McMahon, Stephanie, I'm sorry, but it seems like you're Uh, just... It's Mrs. McMahon to you. (laughs) I'm sorry, I... What's your name? Uh, look, uh, I'm just... What's your name? I'm just part of the independent film crew that's doing the... Why are you dressed as a janitor? Well, I, look, ma'am, uh... Could you just say something, just one kind word about Paul Heyman before I go? I, I worry this interview's almost done. Paul Heyman has lived an amazing life before he dies of diabetes. That, that's not, he doesn't even have diabetes. It's a matter of time before he does because he's such a little oinker. He's such a fat little piggy. Wow, Stephanie McMahon, really, I, I'm going to put this out there. I don't think she likes Paul Heyman. I don't think so either. I mean, it came across in the documentary, but that extra footage that we played right there, that was pretty cruel. Yeah, that was pretty rough all around. It seems like 
And that's what her that's what her presence on the entire documentary was like. Just very polite and political about mm-hmm. Paul Heyman, but just could not give less of a shit about the guy. Yeah, his kids aren't retarded. They look like sweet kids. They're very sweet kids. Uh, so, they, yeah, they talk about all that SmackDown stuff, and he makes it an exciting show. We ta- we talked during as we're watching it. We said, yeah, we'd watch Raw, hoping that it would be. Well, the more exciting show because it's live because it's Raw. Raw was the weird show because it was hard to find. It was on TNN. Mm-hmm. And then also it was just weird. And SmackDown was like, to me, it every note hit. I was like, oh, this is right. This is how it should be. And Raw always felt just like... Formulaic. Yeah. Like not it felt, for, well, it felt like, you know, oh, old school, you, saw, yeah. you saw Triple H coming out. Triple H is going to beat this guy. This is going to happen. But on SmackDown, you're seeing characters that were were fully realized. Um, it was like a postmodern attitude era on SmackDown, and yeah. Raw was still the attitude era, right, guys? <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the characters were the connected to themselves. They knew who they were. Uh, you knew who you were going to get. And the matchups you saw were full matches and presented in a way where you the outcomes weren't always going to be clear. Like, you were watching Edge versus Eddie Guerrero, and... It wasn't clear that Eddie Guerrero was going to just beat him outright. And then you saw Rey Mysterio, uh, Cena, Benoit. Like, you saw all these matchups, and guys were showcased and could go and do what they were going to do. Yeah, I remember, it feel- I remember it feeling violent, but in a very exciting, cool way. And it wasn't in a competitive alienated. way. Yeah, a very competitive way. I think that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, it was, it was really, really cool, and that wasn't rewarded. But at the same time, they talked about... They, they painted the picture beforehand of Heyman having all these ideas thinking they're great and then talking to someone they show the thing with rhino and he's just talking to rhino and really building him up like oh when they think of you they think of the belt and the rhino the belt the yeah the i want to put it subliminal but you put them together and to which point i turned to you because i was like this is really funny i've never seen rhino talk before <laughs> and then rhino go literally right then rhino's like uh-huh <laughs> and that's it and they cut away and like they would just talk <laughs> residual check yeah residual check uh he would get so fired up about people and he pushed them so hard to get them to deliver Mm -hmm. and it's and kind of in a way it reminds me of like the sort of actor's pipe dream which is you show up on set for a movie you know your lines but the director takes you aside and tells you every like secret about the character gonna be a star yeah and like lets you know every emotional quote and just pushes you and gets that amazing performance out of you Mm -hmm. when Acting is only that way when you're lucky. The rest of the time is, yeah, do your homework and build a character. And you have to do all this stuff alone. Mm-hmm. And maybe through rehearsal with somebody you get that. But Heyman was the, that director. He was that writer who pushed people and workshopped things with you and made you the best that you could be. He loved doing that. And but he says would it. also then say, like, it's a great idea, right? Uh, yeah. Tell me why you think it's a great idea. So him with the McMahons, it's just oil and water. Yeah, so all these meetings that they would have. Because to them, it's like, it's a good idea because I came up with it. Mm-hmm. To which Heyman was like, no, I want to understand why it's a good idea so we can have... I think he does it so we can learn. He's always learning. I want to know why it's a good idea so we can have more ideas in the future. Yeah. You know? It's not just having the ingredients and cooking the same. It's just knowing the chemistry is this. Keep that in mind. Yeah, and if you have any successes and you've, you do your own thing, and then when you're put in a situation where you're working for a boss... That has clearly done the same, but on a bigger scale, 
you're going to have trouble listening to one another because you think you're in the right and they think they're in the right. Mm-hmm. So it, that part was very fascinating to hear about and seeing the extra footage and showing... Uh, yeah, meetings. using actual segments of McMahon events being pissed at Heyman. For, even though it was storyline stuff, it worked to such great... It worked very well storytelling for a documentary, which is Paul Heyman talking for hours. Yeah. I think I said it, it's just... They get so close to these like juicy sort of moments, and they oh. just sort of just completely go somewhere else. December and... to dismember. Yeah, we we I mean we get jerked that we covered on, it. Yeah, and really had hoped that there was gonna be the fucking story behind it. Yeah, and it's just they get they mention something. It's like I was disappointed by this. Why? Why were you disappointed? Yeah. What happened? Tell me, tell me what happened in the morning when you got there and you felt uncomfortable because you knew something was off. Right. And then you go into someone's office and they don't give you the real story. And then you find out in the bathroom from fucking Big Show while he's taking a shit. So and like he hands you a Paul, piece. no. He hands you a piece of toilet paper with a message scrawled on it, and then you got to <laughs> run it over to someone else to decipher it. Like where's where's the day, the three days of the Condor of Paul Heyman finding out that he's having a terrible day? Like I want those descriptions because if anybody could tell it, it's him. Yeah. But I think it's all, it's the same as... It's probably shot, it's probably footage, and then they just went, well, cut that shit. Yeah, it's all off the record. It's We said it years ago with Rosecca, and he, we said, like, when are we going to get that real wrestling book about who can really tell the story about the business, how it really is? And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, JR, he's the guy who's going to write that book. Or he's the only guy who can write that book. But I'm it's sure. 10 editions. Yeah, and it, and it's never going to come out because that's it's under lock and key. I mean, it's just sort of... That secret stuff, those sort guys of... that scrolled on on a inside of one of the bottles of barbecue sauce. You just gotta find it. It's yeah, like it's the, the golden, golden ticket. ticket. It's the golden ticket. But it's just we're never gonna get that full story. You only get snippets of it. You get if you know a wrestler and they're loose lipped enough, they'll tell you about. You get to hear some urban legend and what the true story was, and it's kind of yeah. JTG, I do him. <laughs> I do. No, 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 no. I want to know about Paul Heyman. Yeah, and I think that's JTG is a good guy. Yeah, like, that's what's sort of funny about it. It's like, you don't, even as outsiders, like, we're sort of, we're adjacent to the wrestling community. We're not wrestlers, we're not promoters, but we're still circling it. We're like, we follow the school of fish almost, you know, we're trawlers. We're going backstage at Madison Square Garden at the age of 14. Yeah, we're not, yeah, like Paul Heyman was. He got into that business, and he knows stories that we'll never get to hear. Mm You know, he even says in the documentary, there's like, uh, I can't talk about that or I'll get sued. And it's like, yeah, yeah. That was what the teaser said is he's like, you want to hear the real story about Paul Heyman? Somebody's going to get fired over this. It's like more accurately, I'm going to get sued if I say too much about this. Yeah. Oh my God. Is that why those guys got fired recently? So was there was a cut of guys? Yeah. There was that big mass cut because everybody had Paul Heyman stories. Oh. They, you, you know what they did? They interviewed him for the documentary and they were like, <laughs> Whoa, 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 guys. Whoa, JTG, you are fired. Good luck in your future endeavors. Mm-hmm. Heyman at Madison Square Garden, like, he was a kid. He snuck in there with his uh, camera. He brought pictures that he'd taken at another event, and he presented them to McMahon, and then he got senior. a job. Senior, and he got a job because of it. Excuse me, Bobby. Got, uh, excuse me out of the way. I'll shove you. Whoa, uh, excuse me. You're sir. not going out this window. <laughs> Whoa, looks us. Why is this old man pushing me? Scott, ha, it's Bill After. Who? Scott, what? Scott just jumped out the window. I'm sorry, sir, who are you? I'm Bill After. 
Who is Bill? Bill Apted, one of the most famous, prolific wrestling reporters uh, covering everything uh, in all the uh, universe for the WWE, for uh, WCW, ECW, uh, TNA, uh, ROH. I, I'm, I have my finger on the pulse of all the rest. OneWrestling.com, hello, how are you? I'm Bill Apted. Nice uh, to have you nice, on the show. Uh, nice to meet you. Nice I, to have you on the show of OneWrestling.com. Uh, OneWrestling.com, that's your website? That's my show. Too. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, no, you're, I'm sorry, you're on the Curtain Jerks podcast. I've never heard of it. Thank you so much for being on my show. No, no, no. This no, is you're... about the time uh, that I get my just due. Uh, Paul Heyman is a, is a jerk in uh, getting his own uh, Blu-ray, and I, I didn't get enough time uh, featured on the Blu-ray because he's just a weirdo. Uh, and I, it's my time now to be to be featured uh, for the Bill Apter story, uh, which is far more interesting, far more. Uh, 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 hi, boys and girls. My name is Bill Apter. All right, okay, Mr. Apter. Boys and girls, Mr. my Raptor, name is Bill Apter. Mr. Apter, please, if you could just take a just a moment. You're saying Bill Raptor. I'm sorry, Bill like a Apter. dinosaur. Yeah, I'm sorry, Bill Apter. You're calling me old, like I'm out of touch. No, 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 no. Just Bill Apter, just for a moment. This is the Curtain Jerks podcast. I'll welcome you as a, as a special guest. You are a special guest on our podcast. Even though you burst in here, you can plug your 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 website as much as you like. I just want to show you're a special guest on our podcast. What's your podcast? The Curtain Jerks. I've never heard of it. Um, OneWrestling.com. Bill after hosting here live with uh, uh, this gentleman in front of me. Who, uh, Steve Sears. I'm working one fan at a time to let them know that Bill Apter is uh, w- the greatest wrestling reporter and, and personality that should have been uh, b- taken under the wing of Vince McMahon Jr. Uh, years ago at Madison Square Garden. Well, uh, uh, so I what was... happened? Why Why do you feel like that wasn't your path? Uh, because uh, Paul Heyman came in and took it from me. He, he took everything from me. I should be the interesting guy. I should be the one who uh, has a bunch of wrestlers uh, who who want to endorse me. I have uh, wrestlers who who are Bill, uh, not Bill After guys, because I would be encroaching on the territory. So uh, uh, they're Bill After creeps. Bill After creeps. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Bill After creep. Is what they say. That's what they say. Uh, those uh, are your guys. Those th- are guys. Those, those are those are the. If you want to say guys, which I don't want to say, because that's what Paul Heyman says, and I don't like him. He's a scumbag. Uh, he's taking everything away from me, so I, I, I of course have my guys, uh, my creeps that uh, endorse me. All right. Well, so Bill, now is it a matter of wanting to be respected professionally within the wrestling community, or do you feel like it's what's more, that word? I'm sorry, respected in the wrestling. What's that word? Respected. I, I I'm not familiar with that word. Uh, well, it's I guess you could say it's um, well, it's just a matter of being uh, feeling that your actions and that your character is appreciated by others. I've never felt that before. All right, so is that something you're looking for, or do you think you're just looking for a couple of, uh, you know, wrestlers to hang out with? Oh, I'd love some wrestlers to hang out with. I'd really like to just hang out with them and talk with them and uh, show them off and show everybody that they're my friends. Uh, I, I would and really... that you're friends with them, right? Uh, just as famous friends uh, that are wrestlers, so I could uh, show that uh, Suzanne uh, Bukowski from high school that I finally made it. Wow. You know what, Bill? I... It sounds, I feel like you're telling me a universal story of someone who's just really was striving for something and you really just wanted to be appreciated. That's by famous a, people, by famous wrestlers, by and show Suzanne Barkowski that uh, I'm, I'm big time. And that uh, finally we can go to prom together. Well, I, you know, I feel like you might be a little bit old for prom. Maybe something, a, a private ceremony or a dinner out or something. I don't know. Or maybe, but maybe she's. We could get a, we could go to Burger King, go through the drive-through, get a, get a couple of whoppers, and then go back and make some, uh, uh, go to a hotel and uh, make some whoopee. That, that sounds like a pretty cool thing. Keep in mind, a Burger King just recently moved their corporate headquarters out of the United States to avoid paying taxes. 
Oh well, yeah, whatever. Uh, Wendy's, perhaps, or, or yeah, I think that Hardee's is Wendy's. Hardee's would be great. What? Uh, uh, Hardee's, what? right on the East Coast. Arby's is Hardee's. Oh no, Carl's Jr. is Hardee's. That's right. right Carl, yeah, but as long <laughs> as we get learn on this podcast, as long as uh, on my show onewrestling.com. Thank you, on Bill After hosting here today. <laughs> uh, I, it'd be great if Buff Bagwell were there because he's a he's a Bill After creep. I'm sorry, who? Buff Bagwell. Oh, okay. Buff Bagwell's Bill After creep. So if he, he were there, and then he could show uh, Suzanne, uh, that, that'd be great. That, that, look, look, I know Buff Bagwell. Now, and then we're, we're best of friends. So what happened exactly now? Heyman was taking pictures of the, the WWE. Bag, the dirtbag, no good, Nick. He was taking pictures when it was in Madison Square Garden, and then... The world's most famous arena. I don't know if you know that. I've been there. Madison it, Square Garden? Yeah, it's the world's most famous arena. I've been there. Well, how do you feel about the... Um, if I could change gears for a second, how do you feel about that new Brooklyn stadium that has the Brooklyn Nets playing there? It's not so famous, so, uh, you know, once I'm there and it's really famous, I'm going to let everyone know I've been there and that uh, I'll take pictures from it. And uh, you can, if you need to, um, you can sell me a self-addressed stamp envelope and I'll send them to you. I'll send you those photos. A snail mail? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. A self-addressed stamp envelope <laughs> and I'll be able to get those to you. Uh, it, it'll only be three ninety five. No, what are, am I sending you pictures or are you sending me pictures? I'm sending you pictures of me at a famous arena. Oh, okay. Well, just I understand that Madison Square Garden is the world's most famous arena. I've been there. True, but the, I think it's called the Brooklyn Forum. I think is now uh, it's kind of a destination place because it's in a very hip part of the East Coast, and, and Manhattan's kind of tough to sell out Madison Square Garden. That's all I've just been hearing. Well, as long as the Red Rooster would want to go there and hang out with me, perhaps he'd do a, a match, and then afterwards I'd interview him. Red Rooster, one of the most famous wrestlers of all time. Uh, uh, we're close friends. Uh, I, I don't doubt it. If I can just bring us back around again. This is my show, OneWrestling.com. I'm your host, Bill After. Welcome. Uh, all right. Well, is there any, questions you'd, one, like to, is there any questions you'd like to ask me about the Paul Heyman documentary? Do you hate Paul Heyman? And if you do, as you should, how much do you hate him? Uh, I guess you would say I don't hate Paul Heyman. Uh, I think he's a pretty creative guy who's had a very sort of interesting life, and he's probably made a few moral uh, decisions that probably weren't of the best and positive thing that he could do, but he always thought he was doing the right thing. Uh, well, he's, he's broken one man's heart uh, by uh, stopping him from his one true love, Suzanne, uh, back in high school. That was me. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a crusher of dreams. So if, if that's why you like someone, I guess you like Hitler. Uh, well, I guess a, you like Hitler. There's a term for equating something always to bringing Hitler into the discussion. I can't remember what it is. It Heyman. might be Rule 34. I'm not sure. Haymaning. Is it Haymaning? I think it's Haymaning. Well, you know what, Bill? Honestly, I didn't know very much about you before I saw this documentary, but now that I've got to talk to you today... You can check out my show, One Wrestling, uh, OneWrestling.com. I would say I feel like you're sort of this tragic sort of surviving Romeo who has this long-lost love. Suzanne. Yeah. Uh, this is a message going out to Suzanne. Look, I, I'd like to pick you up uh, in my uh, Dodge Dart, and we'll go out and uh, we'll hang out with The Miz. The Miz is the biggest Bill After fan, and The Miz is the greatest wrestler in all the world. That I do not, I do not doubt that you believe that, and I do not doubt that the Miz is the biggest Bill After fan in the world. The, the Miz and Bill After are the greatest fans. Are you guys uh, Simpsonico? We're we're great friends, uh, and as long as Suzanne knows that, I think we'll all be in a happy place, and uh, Heyman can die a fiery death in hell. Well, I'm happy to hear that, uh, Bill. Uh, well, thank you very much. Thank you for being on my show. What <laughs> thank with you Bill for After. letting me be on your show, Bill. You're absolutely welcome. What's your name? Uh, Bill After, ladies and gentlemen, from RunWrestling.com. Thank you so much. You see me with hanging out with all the greatest wrestlers in the world. Did you latch this window? You, I'm going to unlock this window. Scott, get back in here. I don't want to get near him. Bill, uh, I think I think that's all the time we've got on I your show. I have a cross. I have a wooden cross. I, Bill, I think that's all the time we have on your I'm show sorry. today. I don't know either of you. I'm going to leave this room now.
Scott, welcome back. Oh, God, he scares me so much. He, Bill Actor scares me so goddamn much. It's, he, it's, do you see yourself in him? <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> he hijacked want to become... our show. I try, I couldn't say, he, I kept saying it was curtain tricks, and he was like, he kept plugging his own show. I, I thought he was hijacking the Blu-ray also, because once he showed up, I, the Crypt Keeper popped up on screen. Oh, man. He scares me, Steve. I don't want to become Bill Actor. Well, I just... It's... Or Bill Actor creeps. It's fascinating to me that people... Are you a Bill After creep, everyone out there? Yeah, tweet at us. Or are you a Paul Heyman guy? I think I'm just surprised. I always forget how big the community is. Like, there's wrestling, and there's the people that are part of it, and then you have all the people that have the scoops, mm-hmm. and then you've got the people that read the scoops, <laughs> and then you've got us, and I don't know where we fall. Yeah, I mean, when we do interviews from time to time, it's not our goal to bring scoops um, the only scoops I want in a wrestling interview are scoops of Rocky Road and <laughs> Vanilla Bean, if you know what I'm saying. Ice cream. Ice cream for wrestlers. <laughs> Hashtag ice cream for wrestlers. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Because that's a special occasion. they got to be working out all the time, <laughs> watching their cardio. Cheat day. Yeah, what is it, cheat day, and a wrestler gets to have ice cream? Oh, can you remember? Edge said it in his going away speech. That's right. He said, oh, man, I'm going to eat so much ice cream. And I was like... Jesus, buddy, like, you've been doing cardio for half your life to mm-hmm. stay in this business. All you wanted was some fucking ice cream? It's a cold treat. Wow. But Paul Heyman looks like he's been enjoying ice cream this whole time. That's, he's been doing it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, manager's the way to go, everybody. Yeah, you, Look, you could be a manager and still get a fucking Blu-ray made about you. Yeah, no shit. And the, the consensus of this all Blu-ray was he's the best of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think I I'm not like I put him up there because not he's not just a good manager but he was like he knows the business inside and out he was helping a lot of people more than he he was hurting he was helping more people than he was hurting and he's a magnificent storyteller mm-hmm. which um, amongst all the 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 documentary itself the two hour documentary you've got all the extra stories that just didn't fit in the context of that bigger story so even the small stories that he tells are fascinating mm-hmm. like he draws you in and it can be about something that normally would be really mundane or something uninteresting but because he's telling you that brock lesnar dvd here comes the pain that came out a long time ago uh i had friends that when he was going to be coming to ufc i showed him that dvd partially to get them familiar with brock but also i knew the entire time it's it's told but largely through paul Heyman, who is going to paint this great picture of brock lesnar and they both uh, not being wrestling fans went, I hope this guy can come in and uh, do, do like promo shit yeah, for him. God, that'd be great. UFC needs promos, but they, I think they like, well, we're serious. The only time you get a promo yeah. in UFC is at weigh-ins or on Twitter. You mm-hmm. know, you never get like the only, the enhanced storytelling. Yeah. Have you seen Ali, the Michael Mann movie? Will a Smith? long time ago. I just saw it the other night and I was like, I was blown away. I was like, wow, a lot of trash talk. Also half of John Cena's stuff. And, and much of the way that Hulk Hogan got everything from superstar Billy Graham, mm-hmm. John Cena got everything from Muhammad Ali. <laughs> I was, like, blown away at this. That's right. Cena Bumbaye. Cena Bumbaye. Yeah. Uh, a little known aspect is uh, John Cena is really big in Nation of Islam. <laughs> really big. Uh, watch When We Were Kings. That's oh, really I remember that. that. That was a big deal. I remember yeah. that documentary. I have it on VHS. Do you also have Unforgivable Blackness, the <laughs> Jack Johnson story? 
Uh, no. It, Am it, I walking into something here? <laughs> you would, you would think so. It's a, it's a four-hour miniseries. Ken Burns did on PBS. He was the first black heavyweight champion of the world. Ken Burns was? Yeah. Whoa, he, that <laughs> yeah, fucker's yeah. living that a guy life. Gets, but that's why he does that zoom-in effect, because he lets you know where he's going to punch you in the face. Uh, and that's an amazing boxing documentary. <laughs> Curtain jerks. Bringer of Ken Burns jokes. <laughs> but I, like... Jack, he was, like, the original sort of, like, classy, sort of, like, amazing pimp slash, like, black superstar mm-hmm. was this guy, Jack Johnson. And it's an amazing documentary. It's very cool. And, like, when you, whenever you get to see that sort of vintage sort of reflection on, like, celebrity and amazing athletic prowess, I, I, I'm tying it back into Heyman sort of loosely, but in a lot of the ways, I feel like he's a part of that story, like... Heyman was there in the 80s as a manager, but can you imagine if he was in his 30s or his 40s in, this, in like the 70s or the 80s? He might have been killed, granted. That, that's very true. But he, The like, guys like Piper and stuff who were getting stabbed or shit thrown at them, Heyman definitely would have. Yeah, but I mean, we're so lucky because we got him for our generation. We grew up, but he would have, like... He was one of those revolutionaries. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write my ass off." That guy never stopped writing. He was yeah. just, and he'd show up in the arena and he'd, he'd put together matches and he'd promote. And like that guy's never stopped writing. He's always writing. Yeah, and th- that one interesting part too of uh, who was it where it was three or four hours where he's working on a promo with one guy in ECW. Oh, and they're like, maybe we'll get two, three minutes out of this. Hope, and 30 like, seconds is what worst we're case we'll get 30 yeah um and just to just to get that little bit to make that guy look great oh by the way speaking of looking great you have to watch this documentary because you get to see the amazing clothes that ecw superstars wore during oh the god. fucking 90s oh my god like you remember when like the 80s looked like people were dressing in outer space i forgot in the 90s if they colonized space and then set up fashion institutes <laughs> Like, paper-thin turtlenecks. Like, weird stripes on everything. Super short shorts. Super big t-shirts. Yeah, really big t-shirts with weird designs. Oh, and and just that classic wrestler not-in-the-ring look of, like, fanny pack, Mm -hmm. leather jacket, no pants. Mullets galore. Big Nike high tops that look just like, they look like moving vans. There's probably some drinking game that could be established from this if that's your thing some sort of some sort of game wrapped around the crazy embarrassing shit that you can spot amongst guys would be a blast and that's not and we're not talking costumes we're talking casual like day off day off stuff like we're we have a me i'm going to a meeting today and this is what i dressed up as yeah like this is this kind of was a day off for us where we're just gonna watch like just gym rat gear just weird like just I'm wearing just casual cargo shorts and flip flops and a button up, like a short sleeve button up, and you're just you got a phantasm shirt and some jeans and also some flip flops. Like, mine may be a little dated in time if we were to take a picture of this. Yours is fine for all of time. Yeah, it, like, it'd be like whoa, me wearing nice pants, weirdo. It'd be like me wearing uh, big high top shoes that have wings coming off the back of them, uh, tights. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, a V-neck that goes down to my dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 wild to see, and the stories are great, and Heyman's fascinating, and this thing's packed. I would say, if you get this, get the Blu-ray if you can. Um, 
Uh, make it make it like it is a PBS documentary. Watch some of it one night. Watch the rest of it another night. Mm-hmm. We did a, we did a marathon session today, well, so we, we got Paul Heyman on the brain. It's eight hours in total of vignettes and matches and promos and stories. Documentary. We watched a whole lot of it. Damn near all of it. Um, which we don't recommend doing right away. It's to enjoy over time. Yeah, it's and you, like I had a great time today, but like there's just so much. I feel like there's an overload, and I, a lot of it blends together for me. But like so many, they're each individual, such rich stories, and like I just, I'm the passion, have, the passion that he had was so. That's that's why you like him. That's why people mm-hmm. call them Paul Heyman guys. It's what you know. What's likability? Passion. It's passion. It's how much somebody cares about something. Mm-hmm. And not in a bullshit way like... Bill Apter. Bill Apter. <laughs> I don't even know the guy and I'm talking shit on him. Bill Apter creep. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's so cool to see that. To see a fan achieve his dream. To be there. To keep influencing other people. To keep having ideas. To do all that stuff. It's an awesome documentary. As I said, it's probably going to be on the network in time. Um, but it's well worth the watch now. And... You know that you're directly putting money in Heyman's pocket when you Which buy it. Which is always pretty good. And it's it's also shot and done in an unusual way of the other documentaries. It has a feel of the CM Punk one where it's shot differently, it's edited differently, and put together uh, more unique than what the Triple H ones it's are. A lot less, it's a lot ones. less flash. It's, all, it's really about, hey, this is a history, and mm-hmm. that's what's great to hear about. I like that a lot. Yeah. It does lack some specifics, so that that is a downer in it. If you're really wanting those, what the fuck happened on December to December, well, I think what you, happened? You get enough of the history cliff notes, I feel like, but mm-hmm. you're not getting you're specifics. not getting secrets. You're not getting uh, the curtain hasn't been pulled back that far. Not yet. Yeah, you do get some some names of of things here and there. Like there are times when they shockingly go into some of those things, but yeah, it's a it, those are a little hit and miss. But. You know what? Uh, this is, I think, this really sums it up for me. There was a Kubrick exhibit at LACMAS for Stanley Kubrick, mm-hmm. and growing up, like you didn't know, I didn't know anything about Kubrick. I just knew he made amazing movies, and he was this mysterious, weird genius. And then, as time went on, I knew a little bit more, but I still didn't know anything. And then I went to this exhibit, and they had props, and they had files, and they had scripts, and they just sort of revealed who Stanley Kubrick was, and it was amazing. And it wasn't the mystery was dispelled. But he was then became an even bigger character because I knew what the truth was, and the truth was even more impressive than not knowing. Mm-hmm. And with Heyman, I feel like that's what a lot of this documentary was. I was like, oh yeah, this weird guy from New York who didn't have a lot of money, and he had this this weird this one company that just skyrocketed him. And I was like, nope, the truth is so much more than just sort of like Heyman's a great manager guy. It's like no, he was a businessman, he was a promoter, and he's a writer, he's a storyteller, and God, does he love to develop ideas and talent. And I'm totally just sort of fawning over him. But it, I feel like I fawn over him anyway if I watch Raw. Mm-hmm. You, like, if I miss Raw and you, you come over and you're like, this is what you got to watch. The only thing you got to watch on this entire episode is this seven-minute promo that Heyman cuts. Yeah. And you're like, and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm sure the rest of the show is great. But for me, that was the highlight. That was going to be the highlight anyway. That's the exciting. I gotta tune in and I gotta check this out. Yeah, I mean, which is what this Blu-ray is. Love him or hate him, he still is those peak moments. Like he's he's the guy who's still really putting his heart into it. Every I, 
Now I'm saying it like everybody's putting their heart into it, but there's what, a no. I, not everybody is. When you watch him, you really get the feeling of not everyone is. There are some guys that really put every single thing into it and really think about how they can execute this in the best possible way, rather than uh, I got to stick by the script and do everything that I'm supposed to do um, and not rustle any feathers and not get shit canned. Yeah, that's true. When Heyman gets his blood pumping and he's pushing something, so. Mm-hmm. So it's different. I think you're right. It's different. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. Gets jerked. This was a great Blu-ray. I recommend getting it. You could hold out for the network. It's possible, but it's really There's, cool. I, I think it's worth it for once you just press play on all the stories, all the extra stuff. They just play one after another, one after another. And it's like, that's that's a day into itself. I mean, yeah. that's a night out. And so it's just hours of stories of hearing about this guy you want to hear about and that joey styles wedding story is fucking amazing it's incredible uh so yes i recommend it uh steve i recommend it wholeheartedly yeah um so that's ladies and gentlemen my name is paul Heyman. gets jerked and as a reminder we still have our contest going on for a one year subscription to the wwe network there are two ways to enter one follow us on soundcloud.com slash curtain jerks and comment on any episode. The second way of entering this contest is subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. You gotta do all three. You gotta subscribe, rate, and review. Write some nice words. You give the stars and you say some nice words. Send us proof of both. There are two entries per person. You could do it both ways. You could do the SoundCloud and do the iTunes and send us proof at curtainjerks at gmail.com. This is true. And you can enter to win a free year. We're given one free year of the WWE Network. Pretty damn big. The cutoff, again, is September 30th, 11.59 p.m. Is it Eastern time Western time? Oh, uh, Western time. Yeah, give them three extra three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, do that. It's simple. It's free. Um, it helps 2.59 a.m. on the East Coast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, 7.59 a.m. in England on October 1st. Let's make it as fucking confusing so as just, possible. Just do it on the 29th, everybody. <laughs> Fuck it. Do it right now. Don't wait. You crazy assholes. Um, so, uh, for uh, Curtain Jerks, I'm Scott Narber. I'm Steve Sears. Enjoy your wrestling, kids. You've just listened to another episode of Curtain Jerks on the Comedy Podcast Network. Ah, free entertainment. Who doesn't love free entertainment? I love it. It's free and I'm entertained. Ah, we don't ask for money. We don't ask for uh, uh, gobs of money. We don't ask for much. You don't need a credit card to ride this train. No way. But we do ask for something in return. We ask that you help us out. Uh, you help us out in the numbers out there in the wrestling world and that you share us. You get on SoundCloud.com slash Curtain Jerks and you follow us on there. You add to those numbers so it increases and other people can see that this podcast is something to jump onto, that this is funny and this is good and that you like it. And then you can share it. You can repost it on there and you can like the episodes and comment on them. Too. And when you share it and you repost it, if you'd been commenting, everybody gets to see what you're saying. You know what that is? That's publicity. For you, the listener. Yeah, you may get more followers too out of this. Oh my god, it's it's all cyclical. Oh yeah, we make a funny joke. You make a funny joke based on that funny joke. That's called a callback. That's and, building on a joke. And then we get super pissed off that we didn't come up with that joke. They're like, son of a bitch, that guy's blocked. Yeah, that guy. I can't believe he made a joke based on our dick joke. He thinks he's the best dick joker. I'm gold dust blocking him. Yeah, Lemueled. Mm-hmm. 
And so you get to do that, and that helps us out. That's huge. So obviously, share this podcast with your friends, and go to youtube.com slash Curtain Jerks Podcast. Follow us on there. Subscribe. Like us. Uh, comment on our videos. you got your predictions videos on there for the pay-per-views. You've got your wrestler pronunciation manuals on there. We even had that JR's barbecue taste test on there. Yeah, maybe you forgot. It was delicious. It's a video sharing website. Share the videos as we share them with you. Yeah, getting interactive. We want your interactivity. We want to hear from you guys. We like talking with you as much as wrestling fans don't seem to like to do that. We actually do. Yeah, you know what? Look, I understand when people say the internet and they say wrestling and they think, you know what? Why doesn't anybody ever talk about wrestling on the internet? It's like there's no one's got any comments to make. I think everybody's got some comments to make. You do it on YouTube. Do it on SoundCloud. Guys, Triple H is a phony. He's trying to jump on the internet now with his Twitter and everything. And, and the WWE Network. He's pretending he's fan-friendly. We are fan-friendly. We're giving you a voice. Let's talk shit on Triple H together. Hand in hand, guys. Where's that ponytail after all, Triple yeah. H? What? I thought that guy had committed to his character, huh? Yeah. He's a really good guy, and it seems like he really knows what's going yeah, on, Yeah, he seems actually. like he's taking care of that new talent. Ah. Uh. You have received this transmission from the Comedy Podcast Network. For more shows, visit ComedyPodcastNetwork.com.